Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sports by Northwest podcast. No, I'm not Bill Orm, and no, that's not Bill Orm. I am Aaron Fentress, and this is Brenna Green of Coin TV. She's a sports anchor and sports reporter for Coin. I work for the Oregonian, and we are invading the Sports by Northwest podcast, which are with our own version opposite of our columnist, Bill Orm's Brenna. Finally, and, and before we get started, Brenna, I just, you know, I just have to take the time just crack on management a little bit because we first talked about this podcast in August. We went to lunch at Outback Steakhouse in August and hoped to do a podcast before or right after the big Georgia-Oregon game. And here we are four months later, finally getting it, getting it done. What, what is the deal with management in the world these days? I mean, they're probably going to get mad at me for cracking on them, but I'm taking the opportunity. Well, you know, I mean, I, there's always... Uh... <laughs> There's red tape on both sides, and you just got to battle through the red tape. It wasn't even red tape. So, it was like red parachutes, red – it's horrible. We, we we got through it. That's all that matters. We're here. We're sitting here now. It may have took longer than what we thought it was going to take, but, uh, but you know, we we still got it done, and that's – that is what counts. That is what counts. So. Okay. So before we get started, let's explain our goal with this podcast. So I primarily cover the Blazers for the Oregonian, and I do some Duck stuff as well. I've covered the Ducks off and on for 17 years, what have you. A little bit of Beaver stuff as well, NFL, Major League Baseball, et cetera, et cetera, perhaps even. Uh, you are going to be all over the map and have already been over, all over the map with coin. You've done Seahawks, Ducks, Beavers, Blazers, Preps. You're doing sideline reporting, right, for a UAP and mm-hmm. other things like that. So between the two of us, we're going to be out and about doing all sorts of things, and then we're going to come together and talk about primarily local sports and try and uh, make some sense of some things, have some fun with some things. We're not going to be too deep into the nuances of X's and O's and strategies and things like that. We're going to take more of a a uh, bigger picture, uh, fun look, sometimes critical, but not, you know, diving too deep into the the, the rigmarole, so to speak. Um, and we're also going to dip a little bit into pop culture. We have a couple pop culture topics we're going to talk about today to have a little fun with. Uh, those might get a little bit uh, interesting here and there, but that's sort of what we want it to be. It's just have a little fun back and forth. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. <laughs> uh, first, you know, let's introduce who you are. Because you, I just said where you work, but talk about yourself yeah. a little bit so people know a little bit more of who you are on this platform. Yeah. So um, born and raised in Portland, Oregon for all 18 years of my life. So um, all eight, you're 18? Definitely, I have, yeah, some people think I am. Um, <laughs> um, you know, it, it's a good time walking into a high school and being asked where your student ID is because that has definitely happened <laughs> Not super recently, but recent enough. Um, um, <laughs> so yeah, first 18 years of my life uh, here. Um, so definitely have a rich, rich knowledge of everything that has happened in this area, um, you know, since before I was born. Um, and then I went to Gonzaga for college. Uh, oh. And then, you know, lived a little bit of everywhere. I like to say I'm on the West Coast tour. Uh, <laughs> stops include Great Falls, Montana, Reno, Nevada, Spokane again, wow. and then uh, back here again. So um, I've really uh, lived a lot of different places, done a lot of different things. Um, so, yeah, I... I came back home this past summer, got a job at Coin, and you know, I've been diving in deep here ever since. So, 
yeah, just uh, fun to be back home and fun to be working with someone who I know that you don't take offense to this. Somebody who I grew up reading. Oh, so and you still got into the go. business and you still got. Yeah. Into the business. Yeah. Despite your warnings, <laughs> I still got into the business. Oh, yeah. Every every Sunday. After Oregon football games, the sports section was pilfered in my house. Mm. Between my dad, my mom, and I, it would it would like get divvied up, and we'd like be like, "All right, I want to read this. I want to read that. Can we switch this so that I can read that article?" <laughs> yeah, that was a thing. Nice. So, uh, so yeah, the uh, I, I I I would read the sports section every single day on the way to school. I and, was, and you grew up in a UO household, right? Yes, but also my mom's side of the family goes back four generations at Oregon State. So, oh, okay, yeah. So, um, you know, I kind of had an interesting upbringing in terms of that because I still was around a lot of Beaver fans growing up because a lot of my mom's brothers and sisters obviously um, grew up grew up with that around them. So, so yeah, history at both schools, you could say. And you played a little hoops, I understand. Yeah, just a little bit. Nothing little crazy. Bit. I went to Jesuit high school. So like, you know, basically making JV at Jesuit is like making varsity at like so don't, many other places. Don't name another school in that sentence. You'll, no. you'll offend somebody. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. We don't need our first um, controversy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I quit after my sophomore year because I, I saw my destiny and my destiny was um, running the same amount as everyone but riding the bench. And I decided that wasn't very smart. That didn't you, make a lot of and sense. And you rode the bench for Kathy Adelman Naro, who just won a state title mm-hmm. last year with Beaver Town. I saw you did a feature on her and her girls. Yeah. Uh, her youngest, Maddie, my daughter, Taryn, actually played with her at Clutch uh, Basketball for mm-hmm. a couple of years. And I covered Kathy when she was first at Jesuit. Um, yes. So there's, you know, a little bit of a small world connections there. Her daughter and Maddie. Yeah, really, all, all of her daughters are really were amazing at hoops. Uh, still yes. are ones at Boise and and uh, Maddie's going to Santa Clara, so there's a, there's a connection there. Um, and we met we met at the Dallas Seahawks playoff yes. game, and that was the yes. 2018 season. So what, like January 2019, I think. Yes, it would have been January 2019, like yeah. the first few days of January we, 2019. We met there and chatted, and then when I was looking for we were looking for someone to do a podcast with me, uh, I talked to my bff Lindsay and she recommended you you had been on my list but i didn't know you all that well but she recommended you and i said i need someone who can go toe-to-toe with me not take things personally not get all upset flick crap back at me and we can have fun with it she's like oh yeah brenna's your girl (laughs) (laughs) she takes crap from nobody and Lindsay knows how to handle me better than Lindsay and brian maranthus know how to handle me better than anybody and so it's if Lindsay recommended you then we're good to go Absolutely. I appreciate, I appreciate Lindsay Schnell and I appreciate, uh, her. I mean, the reason why she said that was because I, I covered Nick Rolovich last year and the whole saga with him, with the vaccine. And, um, yeah, it was an interesting, uh, few months. Um, and I didn't take crap. And I didn't, I didn't back down. <laughs> that was one of the things she uh, mentioned. That's one of the things Lindsay mentioned is that you were all over that. Much to the chagrin of <laughs> some people. <laughs> Whoopsies. Uh, those, some of the more interesting Zooms, I shouldn't say some, the most interesting Zooms I will ever be on 
those interviews. So okay. <laughs> there you go. Well, we'll see if we can beat that. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's dive right into our first topic. Uh, now, you've been really busy this fall. Like I said, Ducks, Beavers. Mm-hmm. You, you've gone to Ducks, Beavers, Seahawks, Blazers, right? Already. Yes. And then a bunch of other stuff as well. Uh, let's talk about the Blazers, which is, of course, my main wheelhouse right now. Um, I do a podcast with Craig Bernbach. Uh, sorry, Burnback. <laughs> I would screw that up. I just want to add some panache to it like his brother does. My name is Burnback. And so we dive deep into the Blazers with the minutia. But with us, we're going to just be different with this. And so I'm just going to come out right now and just say this team's annoying. Like straight up. Like yes. I, I, I do not understand how they lost to Minnesota last night. I'm irritated by the fact that they, they came out just played sloppy, right? Just horrible. Six turnovers within 10 minutes. They couldn't not, – not making shots is one thing, but taking bad shots, not really running the offense, being mediocre on defense. And they did this on a night where – they're, they're, they're starting a three-game road trip between before coming home and playing 10 of 11 at home in a critical month for them. They're going to have 11 out of 15 home games this month. At the end of this month, they will balance out all the road games they will have played to start the season. They've had a couple of 16 road trips, et cetera, et cetera. And so if they don't have a big month this month, then I think we can write them off as just an average team. If they can have a big month and make a run, maybe they get back into the top four. So for them to play that way and then have Billups come out and talk about, you know, within the first few minutes I knew – that we just had a casualness to us. And then we're trying to scratch and claw, claw and fight back from that. And then, of course, Grant goes down for a minute. Damon Ant can't hit shots, which, again, it's fine. But Nurk gets into foul trouble. And you lose that game. I just was sitting there watching it on TV. I didn't go on this trip. And I was just rolling my eyes like, what is wrong with you? And then Dame, after the game, is saying the same things he's been saying every time this happens. We're still learning each other. We have some youth. Some guys don't understand. you got to bring it every night mentally and physically. It's the NBA. It's tough to win, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm just at the point right now where it's just like, I didn't want, I'm, not, I'm not blaming Dame for saying that or blaming Chauncey for saying that but i'm beyond that stuff it's like either you're going to yep. prove that you can ball or you're just going to be what everyone thought you were at the beginning of the season that's a playing team what do you think yeah i'm just kind of over like the general excuses it, it, it's just there's there's i i feel like there's always some sort of excuse and it's just kind of like all right i'm done with the excuses <laughs> either get it done or not uh, I mean, you know, they they have won some games that they needed to win at home, you know, against, you know, um, the Hornets or the Pistons <laughs> wow, the yeah, other yeah. night. Those are games you should win high. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's it's just one of those things where you're like, can you guys just put it together for like a solid stretch? It feels like it's always one step forward, two steps back right now. Yep. That's what it really feels like. Just I didn't even put that together until right now, but verbally <laughs> processing, like it's like, oh, okay, we did something good. Oh, never mind. We're back. And I understand injuries happen. These are things that happen. Um, you know, I mean, I understand why they kept Dame out for an extended period of time you know, at the you know, beginning of the season. I totally get it. And they, by the way, they were doing pretty well without Dame to start. It was like, oh, okay. This team can do this without Dame. That's really exciting. <laughs> and now it's just like, there's a, 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 at some point, you just have to be like, look, we need to, we can't, you know, keep saying, all right, GP2's out or, you know, Nasir Little's out or whatever, whatever it is, you know, um, Justice well, Winslow's we had, out. We had slippage. We haven't practiced. We, you know, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's just, it's just getting to a point where it's like, all right, I need to see you guys put it together. Or like, like you said, you are what you are, what we thought you were, you know? <laughs> um, 
So yeah, it's, I agree with you on the annoying part. I think fans are getting annoyed. I just, you know, see random things pop up on, on Twitter where fans are just kind of like, why does this keep happening? Exactly. Like, let's <laughs> like win the games you are supposed to win. Uh, I understand at, that at that's least. not going to happen every night in the NBA. That's just, that's not realistic, but there's been so many, you know, I mean, you Reference those, you know, the, the Thunder games, like they should have at least split those games. Here's a fun stat for you. They haven't w- defeated a team with a winning record, a current winning record, since December 4th against Indiana. They play Indiana uh, on Sun uh, tomorrow, Friday, actually. So that'll, that'll be their chance to get their first victory over a winning team in a month. They haven't won back-to-back games since they defeated Minnesota, Minnesota, San Antonio, and that ended on December 14th. And then you mentioned the OKC losses. Those are bad. And, and we can forgive at Dallas, at Denver. I mean, those are really good teams. Luka went off that night. You can even forgive at Golden State because they, they were missing a bunch of guys and they were gassed. But yes. if you're going to lose those games, you think you've got to make up for it with by beating the teams that are sub 500 most of the time. And the fact that they've lost to three of those teams is not a good look. And the fact that their only wins in the, in, in the last nine games uh, have come at Houston, one of the worst teams in the league, against Charlotte, one of the worst teams in the league, and against Detroit, one of the worst teams in the league. So they got three wins over teams that are going to be in the top five in the NBA draft. And so <clears throat> they just they, like at this point, I'm done. Like like you said, I'm, I'm done with the, the excuses, and some of them are legit, but it just doesn't matter yeah. at some point. You you got to win games to climb out of this hole they're in in eighth place. Because had you won those three games, you you'd be fifth right now. That that's how how narrow things are in the West. So I'm going to give them to the end of the month. I said on the blazer focus podcast, they need to win seven out of those, at least, at least seven out of those 10 games that are at home with Damien at home this season, or excuse me, they're eight and six at home this season with Damien in the lineup and not getting injured. They're eight and two. So if that plays out, they should win eight of those 10 games or at least seven at the end of the, at the end of the month, maybe your top four. And then we can start, you know, really figuring out, where we think this team's going to go. But yeah, this, that, that game last night just left me rolling my eyes. I almost switched over yeah. to Seinfeld reruns. <laughs> just looking at these <laughs> these games over this next month, I mean, you know, Magic, winnable. Cavs, you know, as long as Donovan Mitchell doesn't go off for 71, I'd say that's winnable. Uh, Mavs, eh, you've got two Mavs games. You got to split. You got to split. You got to split. Right. You got to split. 76ers are they're they're good this year. That, you know, that might be that might be tough, especially Embiid. Um you know, you should beat the Lakers, you should beat the Spurs. Jazz is probably a toss-up. Oh my and gosh, they Raptors, Hawks. I mean, those those are all games that are totally winnable. Right. So hopefully, now, hopefully we are are singing their praises in a few weeks. Now, one thing that will help them will be getting Gary Payton II, (laughs) fully on board and rolling. You were there with me on Monday night when he made his long-anticipated season debut. I swear that me and some of the reporters have talked about it periodically about how it's like, there's these reports he's going to come back and then he does it. And I think the Blazers have actually been pretty transparent with things. Like Chauncey has talked about he has to overcome things mentally and physically. He was experiencing soreness on days after days he worked out really hard. They didn't want to get in a situation where he would play in a game have you know severe soreness now you got to shut him down again he only played 13 minutes in that first game he was on a minutes restriction but he tweaked his ankle and then he doesn't play against minnesota because of the ankle injury so that's just you know bad luck but i'm curious what you think about 
having if he's able to get back to 25 minutes a night and being that defensive pest that he was against Detroit with a couple steals, uh, what kind of impact do you think he can have on the overall makeup of this Blazers team? I love his energy. Yeah. I love it. Um, you know, it's it's funny just even like watching him out there like no, like in between plays or like before the game, like him and Josh Hart were like juggling like soccer style the ball. Mm. There was a moment in the game which I I got on camera where he had the ball. He like had a lady in the crowd touch it. And I'm not sure if he was like, I'll give you this, or if he was like, touch this ball for good luck. I don't know which one it was, but she was like, she like touched it and then he like took it back from her. And it was very <laughs> like, it was very like cute. Um, And I, I just, I think he brings a really good vibe to this team. And it's, you know, obviously not just like funny stuff like that, which I think teams need, they need someone that's kind of a little bit more gregarious like that. Um. But, you know, obviously his his hustle and his energy, um, you could just see it immediately was a huge lift to right. that team. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would imagine that they'd have him keep coming off the bench. Um, yes. And I think that he's going to be a huge lift to that second unit. Absolutely. Um, just, yeah. just uh, you know, you, you take somebody off and and there's not going to be any there's not going to be any slippage. In fact it could, the energy could go up with him on the court. So I, I, I saw him <laughs> tweak that ankle and him running up and down the court, trying right. to get it untweaked. And I was like, are you for real right now? <laughs> like, no, uh, right. but, he, um, but after the I, game, he didn't make it, he made it sound like it was not big a deal. Like he was, I mean, do, he, he went back in through what he said. He went back in, but I just, I don't know. I could just tell. I was like, I think, I think this is going to keep you out for a few games. <laughs> so here we are at one game missed. Hopefully it's the only one. What, what are your thoughts on Gary? Well, look, the thing about the NBA, so NBA score is 115, 114 and somewhere in there. Right. Um, yeah. And so it's going to, it comes down to a few positions, possessions. You can flip the fortunes of, a possession uh, exchange in each quarter, that can be a 16-point swing um, because you're taking two away and adding two. Gary Payton gives you a guy, who, if he can just go out there and just be disruptive on the other team's best scorer, one through three at least, and maybe cost them a couple baskets that someone else wouldn't have the ability to cost, then that could be like a four or five point swing every night in your favor in terms of disrupting that guy. And then he, he, he's not gonna be able to beat you as well as he would if he were being guarded by Damian Anthony or even Hart, who's a good defender. But when your best two players, well, I guess Grant's probably the second best player right now, but your best two guards, your best, most high volume shooters are also minus defenders, then that dilutes what they're able to bring offensively because they're giving up points yes. to opposing guards. So mm-hmm. to have Peyton come in there and take 25 minutes, and it's going to be interesting to see how Billups juggles those minutes, but have him come in there and reduce yeah. that number a little bit just with his presence on the court, it's just going to be huge. And they can get Winslow back, Nasir back. You all you have Nurk, you got Grant. I mean, I mean, you're never going to take Dame out of the game, but the game's on the line and you need a defensive unit out there and you go with Peyton, Hart, Grant, Nasir, and uh, Nurkic, 
that's a really good defensive unit. They're never going to do that because you would never disrespect Dane like that, but at least you have those pieces. So part of my equation for this month and why I do believe they're going to play their way into the top four by the end of this month, end of this month, if not higher, is getting those other two guys back, mixing, mixing in Peyton, and then now you have a more formidable defensive unit to balance out your high power scoring, and then boom, this team could take off. But they got to show up every night like they care. Yeah. You can't, <laughs> you can't be lackadaisical. Of no, the like, like Bill said, we're not good enough to do that. And they're not. Yes. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on from them because we're going to talk about them a lot. And let's talk mm-hmm. about some Ducks and Beavers. We're going to start with the Ducks who ended their season with a bowl victory. Their second best into a season next to the Rose Bowl win since 2014. They lost. In 2014, in the national championship game, but just going to the national championship game is worse. Don't remind me. In any bowl, any bowl victory. Uh, so Dan Lanning's first season, obviously, Oregon fans went through this whole e- emotional breakup with Mario, and then immediately, you know, kicked him to the curb, <laughs> and then found their new coach and fell in love with him, and he could do no wrong for nine months. And then the season started, and they were doing well. They fell apart at the end of the season there a little bit, but recovered with the bowl victory. Give me your overall impression of uh, what type of season this was for Oregon for and for Lanny. If I were to grade it, I'd give Ooh, it like great. a I agree. like a B plus. Mm. Eh, B. We're going B. We're on going talking B. ducks, on talking ducks, I gave him a B minus, and Anthony Newman threatened to come through the, the screen and choke me. <laughs> Jokingly, of oh, course. Wow. <laughs> Jokingly, of course. But wow. I had those guys fired up. So you're saying B. So you're cl- you're right, you're right there, sort of. You're at B plus B. That's fine. I can accept that. But go give us why yeah. you give them a B B plus. I mean, you know, really, it would be ranked. It, it would be higher if it weren't for that Oregon State loss. Exactly. Keep going. Most catastrophic exactly. thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Um. I mean, it was like it was unreal. I mean, I'm walking around on the sideline in the third quarter, like, okay, like. We're good to go. We kind of know what this is going to look like. I know what I'm going to talk about, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, I'm just like, what is going on here? It kind of reminded me, not totally, not totally, but um, it was a similar feeling as, and this is going to be a deep cut for Pac-12 fans, but uh, gosh, 2018, 2019 football season, UCLA went up to Wazoo, and Wazoo was up by like three, maybe even four. I think it was three touchdowns in the third quarter. And then UCLA came back and won the game. And I was just sitting there on the sideline. I mean, it was such a blowout midway through the third that I told my photographer to stop shooting. I was like, we're good. Don't worry about it. And then, and then obviously I was like, you're too experienced. yeah, well, we'd had a really long day. <laughs> okay. So I was trying to be nice to him because we'd we'd literally started at like I think like 7 a.m. that morning. So I was like, because we had another game we had to go to over at Idaho and Moscow, which everybody is now learning is very close to Pullman because of other things, unfortunately. Um, and yeah. so yeah, we had a very long day where we went from eastern Washington and Idaho to UCLA and WSU and in between that Gardner Minshew returned to WSU for the first time. And that was while he was like, you know, a huge thing with the Jags. So, uh, it was, it was a long day. Um, so I was trying to be nice. Okay. okay and, okay. uh, yeah. Uh, eventually I, I, we both looked at each other and he was like, yeah, I know. And I was like, thank you. Um, <laughs> so it, it reminded me in terms, it, it reminded me a lot of that where it was like, all right, we got this in hand. We're good. It's going to be fine. 
oh no, it's not fine. It is not fine <laughs> at all. Um, so yeah, I think that just has a significant impact on this season. I mean, the UW game is a UW game. I think Oregon wins that game if Bo Nix doesn't get hurt. Correct, um, I agree. I really did not like that play call immediately as I saw it happening on the third down. I was like, ah, it's too far. No, I don't like that. He could get hurt on that. And then all of a sudden I look down and I'm like, okay, yeah, he's hurt. Like, I mean, you know, hindsight's always 2020. So, you know, I can't hate on people too much. And I know he's a good runner, but I just, I did not think that that was, uh, my immediate gut reaction was no. And uh, my gut reaction was correct. Um, so, you know, those are two like pivotal moments that I'm just kind of like, um, but you know, it's his first year being a head coach. Right. You have to remember that. Obviously, he had a pretty good, pretty good uh, national signing day a few weeks ago. They just picked up another recruit the other day, another four star. Um, so you know, it, it now becomes seeing if he can make his guys gel, and I think he did an incredible job of making guys who are not his guys gel this year. I mean, that whole team loves Dan Lanning. Um, that's really, really obvious to me just being around them. He is very, very well-respected and well-liked around that team. So I'll give it a B. Could it have been better? Yeah. But I, I think you have to remember it's his first year. And so you have to, you have to give a little, little bit of grace. What are your thoughts? Well, on the whole grading thing, first of all, the end goal is to make it to the playoffs. They did not. That would be an A+. Plus. Then winning yeah. the conference championship would be an A. Then they didn't do that. So then you come down to A-B minus, plus territory. Uh, for me, though, I ding them hard for one. The lopsided loss to Georgia, 49-3, which I think demonstrated mm-hmm. just how far this program still is from being a contender, regardless Agreed. of what the record is beating up on teams in the Pac-12. And then the Oregon State collapse. I don't fault them for what happened against UW because, <clears throat> um, you know, your star quarterback got hurt. Although I would say you clearly had no – I mean, you didn't have one pass play you thought Ty Thompson could execute. Yeah. <laughs> like, like just one. You know, that, that was a little weird to me. Uh, but, I, 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 you know, I'm not going to hold that against him. When your star quarterback gets hurt, you're probably going to lose in, in that situation. Um, but the Oregon Especially State Especially with collapse. the amount of time that was left. Yeah, but the Oregon State collapse was just like – that, that's that's so bad. And I, I said at the time, and th- that was the worst. That was worse than the Alamo Bowl collapse against TCU. Because in that game, you lost your quarterback. In this game, you still had your quarterback. You couldn't stop the run. You kept giving them a short field, uh, the, the fumbled punt snap. You know, but that was that, that was just, and it was against your your in-state rival. rival. Like that was just so bad. That, that that's definitely worth two. You know, from an A minus right there, just to a B. And then the fact that the defense, which is landing side of the ball was not very good. They were 71st in the country yep. in total D, 76th in scoring D. Penix let, lit them up. You know, if Cam Rising's healthy, and of course, Knicks wasn't healthy, I know, but if Cam Rising was healthy in that game, I think they score over 30 in that game, but they didn't because Rising wasn't rising. And then, of course, Oregon State ran all over you in the second half. They, they made a comeback without passing the football, which is a 21-point comeback, which is uh, virtually unheard of. So given the fact that, that that's his side of the ball, that's his domain, and also some people were saying, oh, he's a first-year head coach. And I, okay, I, I, I gave you some of that. But he also took over a 10-win team. So there's you know, allegedly talent there to work with. And he brought in a good quarterback. He did a lot of good things. But for me, I'm, I'm just saying B-minus because of those three main things I cited. And if those, things, if those three, like if they lose a respectable game to Georgia, they beat Oregon State, right? 
now you now you're in the Pac-12 title game. And if you win that, those are the things that bump you up to an A, A plus. So I'm not giving them that B minus. I'm sticking with it. Yeah, I, I think uh, Dan Lanning needs to take Tosh Lapoy to defensive coordinator uh, boot camp. It's <laughs> it, it's we got to have some serious. But see, how, but see, but see okay. It. But if you're but if you're the head coach and you're a defensive guy and you were the defensive coordinator for a team that went to the national title that won the national title last year, and everyone assumed, oh, just by hiring Dan Lanning, our defense is going to be just exceptionally better. Then that's I mean, you hire. Lanning hired Lapoy, and that's Lan- that should be Lanning's defense because if you're a defensive guy, you're bringing your defense and you're getting a coordinator coming to run your defense, I would think, because if that coordinator leaves, you don't want to change defenses. The next coordinator has to come in and basically run your defense. So I can't put it all on the defensive coordinator when your head no. coach is a defense guru. Just like back in the day, you know, when Chip Kelly was offense coordinator, he called the plays, but he was offense coordinator head coach. Um, he, he could never blame the offensive staff if the offense wasn't running well. He had to carry some of that blame himself. So that's on Dan as well. Yeah, I, I, I can totally get that. I just, I just think that, I mean, especially now that he's not co-defensive coordinator, he is the defensive coordinator. I mean, yeah, he, he definitely he's just got well. it. There's, uh, you know, there. There was 12 men on the field during North Carolina's final drive in the Holiday Bowl, and they got lucky that they didn't. I, I mean, I was sitting there with my mouth aghast. Like, how does that happen in you know? And that and that's that's solidly a defensive coordinator, defensive staff thing. That's not something Dan Lanning should be concerned, concerned about, about on that final drive. Um, so I, I, you know, that sort of stuff. I mean. And the the whole knock on Lapoy when he came in was, yeah, he's a good recruiter. Can he be a defensive coordinator? Because I mean, he went to he was the defensive coordinator at Bama, if I'm remembering correctly, and got demoted. Mm. So you know, like this is he's he's just got he's got some stuff to prove in my eyes, and um, especially now since he is the solo defensive coordinator, and. Um, yeah, I, I I agree with you that obviously Dan is involved, but things like twelve men on the field, that's a <laughs> man, that really that really bothered you, didn't it? It did. It really bothered me. It showed a <laughs> lack of attention to detail. And I hate that. Okay? I hate that. So Ooh, um noted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, it that that was and I mean uh, yes, I think their their co their co defensive coordinator was still with them. Then he hadn't moved on to Baylor yet, but um, you know he, everybody knew he was going to move on to Baylor the next game. So I'm sure that was more so Lapoy's defense to call that game. Um, so yeah, I, I just I don't know. I'm just I'm a little like, all right. I know you're a good recruiter, and I appreciate that. Let's see the X's and O's part of it now. So and I, the, the the thing that's tough too is Oregon doesn't let us talk to their coordinators in season. So, or any of their other coaches. Yeah, um, yeah, which is really, you know, I, you know, I came from covering WSU, which God, we get coordinators all the time. Um, so especially under Leach, Leach didn't care. Leach would let you talk to anybody. So, um, I mean, you get, you get the linebackers coach, you get the, <laughs> you get the special teams coach. It didn't matter. Um, so, you know, that's another thing that's difficult is that it's a really it's really tough to read what's going on with it because the last time we got to talk to Tosh Lapoy was in August. Right. So 
it's it's there's just a lot of ambiguity with it and that's 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 difficult so you know um all right Oregon State, Ooh. their first 10 win season since 2000. Obviously, we have Six. already talked about them. They won 2006. 2006. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, we've already talked about them a little bit and how they had obviously a very good win against Oregon. <laughs> uh, we got to give them their flowers. I mean, we got a grade too, but go ahead. Yeah. I, you know, the fact that they were able to get. Uh, they were able to do what they did running the ball as much as they did in the second half. Um, God, I, I, I'm trying to remember the exact stat. I feel like there was only like two pass plays or something crazy like that. Um, says a lot about where this team can go, especially with the fact that they're returning their whole offensive line. Do you want to go with your grade first since I went with my grade first last time? Uh, sure. I mean, I give Jonathan Smith's grade as a coach. Um, and people are going to say, well, how are you doing this? If you didn't give the Ducks better than that B minus, why I'm giving them a, I'm giving them an A on a curve because mm, yes. of where Oregon State has been. Um, Jonathan Smith took over this program and they won what? Look at this right here. Two, five, two. <laughs> Uh, then up to seven, then up to 10. So they're, they're coming from a different place than Oregon was. So I'm giving Jonathan Smith's performance as a coach without a marquee quarterback to win 10 games and come back against Oregon the way he did. Uh, I'm giving him an A. And I love the fact that they are back. There's a pocket of Oregon State fans out there that like don't like me because they think I'm anti-Oregon State. And I think that's because I've covered Oregon, but like my job was always Oregon reporter. So it wasn't personal against Oregon State. Yeah. But when they hired Jonathan Smith, I was like, he's going to bring this program back. Uh, I believed in him. It, that's come true. He's just the perfect coach for this program. I love the fact that they locked him up. They didn't mess around. They probably paid him more than they could afford, but they're keeping him around because they know that other schools are going to come after him. They look at what he did to Oregon State. They go, oh, I want that guy to come rebuild my program. And then to go out, my whole thing with them has been, you got to get quarterback fixed. You get quarterback fixed, that can change everything. The fact that he won 10 games with quarterback being mediocre, like I said, is impressive. But now they got a kid and do it. DJ Uyunglele? Wait, Uyunglele, right? Uyunglele? No. No? No. You're still wrong. Wait, wait, wait. Lale. No. Lale? No? What is it? Uyunglele. Uyunglele. I was close. Damn, I practiced that for like an hour. Anyway, so the like – but if it's working in TV, you have to get it right. Even so, so if from I here, from here out, I'm calling him DJ. So DJ, <laughs> I love that name too. I got to learn it. It's so, it's so nice to say. Um, DJ, former five-star recruit to Clemson, right? Mm-hmm. Things didn't work out there, but things didn't work out to the tune of 3,000 yards of total offense and 29 touchdowns total with only seven interceptions thrown. Whereas I think Oregon State this year had 2,500 yards of total offense from the quarterbacks. Uh, with like 15 touchdowns and what 13 or whatever interceptions. So this is a huge upgrade. He's 6'4", 250, which means he can run over people like Cam Newton. He's got good speed, a rocket arm. And there's no reason to believe that, especially under Jonathan Smith, that DJ can't make a similar leap in production than what we saw from Knicks and Eugene. It could be the exact same situation. And if that happens, then it doesn't matter what the Ducks do because Oregon State is going to be a problem. 
and might beat them again because the running game, like you said, should be strong with the offensive line returning. The defense, you know, we, I mentioned Oregon's mediocre defense. OSU ranked 16th in the nation in scoring defense. Yes, they're going to lose some dudes, but that's still that defense they're going to plug in and, and still be pretty good. So if you have a strong defense, strong running game, and a potentially elite-level quarterback, you're a big problem uh, for everyone in that conference. So props Oregon State for where they've, they've gone, and I, I think their future looks good. Yeah, it it's a really exciting time to be covering college football in the state of Oregon. I, I'm I was just giddy once once Uwe Uncle committed. I was like Uwe Uncle committed. I was like, ah! see, <laughs> Uwe Uncle Uwe Uncle Come on, get it right. Shh. <laughs> um, when he when he committed, I was just like over the moon excited yeah. because it's this is just. This is gonna. This next year is gonna be one of the most entertaining, interesting years to cover college football here ever. Hey, it's gonna be up there with you know the two thousand year and and everything like that. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I agree with your grading on a curve. Um, and I want to add another thing to that curve. Uh, let's just look at resources here, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. Oregon, Oregon State. Um, not probably comparable. <laughs> uh, so that's another thing where Jonathan Smith is doing more with less. And that is impressive. Florida win, I'm kind of like, eh, about because they should have beaten Florida in that bowl game. Yeah. Like Flo- it wasn't truly Florida. No, it was not Florida. Yeah. That was that was Florida's JV team. Right. Uh, that that might be a compliment. Uh, <laughs> I was like, if they lose this game, that's that's a that's not a good sign. That is right. not 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 a good sign for not only for Oregon State but the entire Pac-12. Right. Uh, but still, I mean, I I think what Jonathan has done has been um, remarkable, and to see it all really come together this year uh was was really impressive and and yeah like you said that that offensive line it's all returning next year so the offense is really really should take a step forward um and yeah i'm just i'm i'm fascinated to watch this all play out next year is gonna be and and you get the brand new stadium at reser next year too so you have that extra juice as well um Excited to see how that all looks, considering, yeah, this year it was a little interesting there. But, you know, we got it done. We got it done. Uh, so so give, given all that, though, which yeah. program do you think has the brighter future, not mm. just next season, but beyond? Is it still Oregon? I think it's still Oregon. Yeah, I'm kinda, sorry. Did you see that recruiting class? That recruiting class is nasty. Yeah, <laughs> it's just... You know, as much as you want to be like, yeah, I'm going to pick the underdog. Like, you see the amount of money that Oregon has, and it's it's just, yeah, it's it's kind of, it's apples and oranges in terms of that. So, um, hopefully, apples you know, are green and oranges are orange. Interesting. Did you mean yeah. that? Sure. Were you for that. Okay. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, I you. You have to go Oregon, and I'm assuming by your response you agree with that. Yeah, I think the smart money is on Oregon, but you know sometimes these recruiting classes aren't what they're made yes. out to be. Which last yes. year, 
I mentioned this on Talking Ducks. I think I mentioned it on the Ducks Confidential podcast that I was hearing from some, some former assistants that some of those Oregon recruiting classes on the Mario were a little bit inflated. Mm-hmm. That goes on sometimes in the recruiting world. Uh, and so I think the fact that you saw a, a mediocre defense with three five-star kids on it, I think the fact that you saw 15 guys enter the transfer portal uh, that they didn't land a quarterback in six years, although Ty Thompson, who knows, we'll see how he, de- he develops. But between Taggart, <clears throat> Mario, and Lanning, they haven't landed a, a freshman quarterback yet who's grown into a starter. Uh, their top running backs were transfers. So the, the last you know, legitimate starting re- recruit at running back was C.J. Verdell. Die only started because Verdell got injured. Verdell was part of the 2016, excuse me, 2017 recruiting class. He committed to Gary Campbell. So, so literally, you have not recruited a starting running back yet. Um, one good receiver, Franklin, obviously, some tight ends, offensive line. Mario did a good job there, but there's just question marks on this roster, despite having these high end recruiting classes. So, I think the four years leading into this year, a combined ranking of 11. Whereas Oregon State's, com- or excuse me, Utah's combined ranking was 44, and they won the Pac-12 back-to-back season. So sometimes these recruiting classes that people get all giddy about, there might be a lot of fluff in there. So I want to see if Dan Lanning's four-star recruits, because not all four-star recruits are, recre- are created equal, if his four-star no. recruits are a little bit better than some of the guys Mario brought in who didn't pan out. Because had all those classes panned out the way they should have, this Ducks team should have you know, won the conference probably. But they couldn't even get to the conference championship game, and they lost Oregon State for the second time in, th- in three years. So I'm thinking, and I know my man Tim Ewis out there, former Oregon State receiver, our tight end, loves saying this, that Oregon State does a better job of actually identifying talent and developing that talent. Mm-hmm. And I think there was some evidence of that this season, given how the year played out, and given the fact that one team had a legit quarterback, the other one did not, yet they finished, but they both had 10 wins, and the team without the quarterback beat the other team, which has more resources. So if – Lanning's recruiting is legit, and these players are as talented as their star rankings say, then it's Oregon. But if Jonathan Smith is better at identifying and developing talent and redshirting those three-star kids and then turning them into five-star talents, and DJ is legit, and he's going to be there more than one year, more than likely, whereas Knicks will be gone, and we don't know who the quarterback for Oregon is going to be in 2024, then you have to wonder if Oregon State might actually end up having the brighter future. I know that was long. I'll stop right now, but I give Oregon State a chance to maybe uh, sort of be the, the the king of the castle in this state for a little bit if Oregon does not do a good, better job of actually identifying legitimate talent. I will say I, I'm almost at a point where I think the transfer portal is more important in the recruiting world than the uh, than actual recruiting especially, especially at quarterback, yeah. But you can't yeah. totally live off the portal. But yeah, it's you, especially for someone like Oregon because you can go out yeah. and probably have the resources, the NIL exactly. money to, to entice and fill in holes easier than Oregon State probably could. Yes, exactly. So I, I I'm I'm hesitant to knock people for recruiting classes as much now because of the portal. Right. Uh, but I, I totally understand where you're coming from. And, you know, we've all seen programs who get, I mean, <laughs> let's look at Texas A&M this year. How'd that go? Not oh great. So, there's, always these, there's always these programs who have these crazy recruiting classes and then they just go, and that's what I'm talking about, where yep. they're not all created equal. Yeah. Yes, I totally, I totally agree with you there. All right. So as we promised, we have a couple of pop culture tidbits here and there. Just because, uh, you know, it's kind of fun to talk about something else. So we're each going to pick one each week to give our little statement on. The other one will 
either poke the other one's buttons or agree or disagree or what have you. Uh, but mine is I've actually gotten into some Instagram debates lately <laughs> regarding how much child support Kanye West must pay Kim Kardashian. People are freaking out mostly, man, that he has to pay 200 grand a month, which is $2.5 million a year, $2.4 million a year, which I think over the course of the lifetime of, the, they have three or four kids? I forgot to look that up, three or four, whatever. Four. Four. It's going to end up being like, <clears throat> someone calculated it to be maybe $40 million after, because each, well, actually the child support will continue even after 18, but about 40 to $50 million Kanye West will, will pay in child support. Look, there's no lying that that's a lot of money. And a lot of the men complaining about that are saying, there's no kids don't cost that much. It's not about how much the kids cost to actually survive. It's about how much the kids cost uh, to raise in that world, right? And they're both billionaires. So this is what happens in child support court. You take the incomes of both parents, you put them together, then a formula kicks out a number that's supposed to go towards the kids. If two people make 50 grand, that number may be $800. If two people make 50 million, that number may be 800,000. That's just how it works. And in that world, you know, those kids probably get a new iPhone every month. You know, you can't have the same iPhone, right? For a month, can you? And plus they have to like, probably like security, they have to get rid of them so no one's tracking them. And then you know they're closing. That's they're not, they're, where I think the majority of the expenses <laughs> are security. Right. And, and, and they're not shopping for deals. Like when, whenever I've purchased, I, 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 I do this with myself. Whenever I purchase clothes, I'm looking for the best deal. I'm not going to spend $100 for a pair of slacks and I can get the same slacks for 50. They wouldn't even look at a $100 pair of slacks. Or even if they saw a $100 pair of slacks, they'd probably pay a thousand just to say they paid a thousand for it. So their kids are probably wearing a thousand dollars worth of stuff a day. And I doubt they wear it all multiple times or beyond once or twice a time, right? Then these kids travel with security detail. They all do because they're targets. And I would too, if I were yeah. billionaires and in, 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 in the public eye like they are. <clears throat> so if they go somewhere, if they go on vacation, they're just not buying, you know, those kids four first class tickets to Paris. They have to buy, well, they're probably taking a private jet, right? Which is going to be 25 grand or whatever. And then you have to pay for your security detail for their travel, their food. Like my point is, is that I think 200 grand is more than fair. And I think many need to stop crying about it because it's not your money. It's Kanye's money. And Kanye's already demonstrated that he can be reckless with his money anyway because he runs his mouth too much. So why should the kids suffer because <laughs> their dad has to give up 120th of his net worth? What say you? I was going to say, <laughs> do we think he's going to have that money for however many <laughs> well, if he, years? If he's allegedly worth a billion, and we know that's not liquid, but still, if he's allegedly worth a billion or so, if he doesn't make another dime for the next 20 years of those kids being raised, his net worth would only be impacted about 20%. So we still have 9.5 billion of net worth, or sorry, sorry, 950 million of net worth. And that's again, if he doesn't make another dime from here on out. So anyway, I, I just, I thought it was just funny just watching men freak out about it like they had to pay it. Yeah, I, I mean... I think the majority of that money is security stuff. Which, and tuition. You know they're going to crazy schools. Oh, that are just, oh yeah. And they probably have tutors that travel. They probably just have tutors at home. Yeah. You know, you know, they got pocket change. We're going to the arcade. You know, the kids. Yeah, pulling yeah, out, yeah. Pulling out as, wads of hundreds and stuff. As you know? one car Kardashian West does. <laughs> just going to go play some bumper cars, you know? Yeah. Um, okay. Your turn. Let's see if anything My else to turn, say. My turn. Uh, you know, it's been really interesting the last few months to watch uh, 
the Royals with Harry and Meghan coming out with more and more stuff. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. Huh? What? What? Um, uh, coming out, coming out with more and more stuff just about their experience in that family. Um, as of this recording today, it came out that apparently there was a physical altercation between Harry and William, where Harry called William over to the house to talk about their issues uh, over Megan and the press and things like that. Um, this was, I think this was before they left England and uh, William showed up and basically straight up knocked him to the ground. And uh, wait, there was a battle Royale. Yes. The battle Royale. <laughs> um, and, uh, and caused him to fall over on the dog, oh, the no. dog bull and the bull oh. shattered and cut up his back and oh. all that sort of stuff. According to Harry. Is he suing? Did he sue? Did he, did he come back? Was there more? I'm well, interested now. Well, Will I, I, William wanted him to come back, and Harry, Harry William was like, "Why don't we? Why don't we duke it out like we Ooh. used to as kids?" And Harry was like, "I don't think so." Uh, according yeah. to Harry, anyways, this is all from Harry's right. side. Uh, Harry wouldn't lie. But what I think is more interesting about it is, you know, obviously. This is not normal for this sort of stuff to come out about that family. Um, but Harry and Meghan have to find a way to, once again, as we talked about with Kim and Kanye, pay for their lifestyle. Mm, yeah, that's a problem. And so, you know, you have this Netflix deal where they had this, like, I forget how many part documentary that came out about their experience. And Did you watch it? No. Okay. I'm not that crazy. Um, so you're I interested, have- but you're not all in. No, I, you know what I do? I listen to podcasts about it. So then I find out everything I need to That's know. That's worse. But anyway, no, go not. ahead. That kind of is. But uh, go ahead. No, I, I, I don't think so. Okay. I don't know. I get the condensed version. I, I get okay. all the highlights. I don't it's need to cliff watch notes. All the It's the cliff notes? It's exactly. The cliff notes? Okay. All right. Okay. I'll, I'll buy that. All right. Continue. It's more condensed. Um, right. <laughs> I'd, I'd much rather have somebody else do the research for me, not have to sit through something that a lot of people called for the majority of it boring and okay. get the get the good stuff. All right. All right. All right. Thank you. That's fair. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, they have that. They have that coming out. They have they have this memoir that Harry's coming out with. That's why um, this whole story came out. Um, so it's just very interesting to see what they're having to do in order because like they also need a pretty strong security detail, um, and they also you know want to keep living in their house. And I forget where they live. Gosh, I, I'm blanking on where they live. I think it's Santa Barbara, maybe. Um, you know that sort of stuff. So I I just, I think it's very interesting the things they are having to do because I guarantee you neither of them want to really do this stuff, but they don't have a choice. It's not like Megan can go back to acting. Okay. Like she's at that point that 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 ship has sailed. It's over. You can't really cast her, right? No, not really. So, um, and, you know, the other thing is, is at some point, this is going to run out. They can't keep kind of getting a meal ticket off of this. Right. I, a meal ticket the sounds The woe is me act is not going to last forever. Well, I mean, yeah, you can't you can't make money off of this, you know, 10 years down the road. So, um, yeah, I guess I guess my my take about it is is just 
it's not so much about the actual fight. It's about all this information that's coming out that we normally wouldn't get. But because people have to keep their lifestyles up, they kind of have to do it. They put, all, so. they put all their business out in the world for everyone to consume. I cannot tell you how little I care about any of this. Like it's Sometimes it's shocking how much I actually know about everything dating back to Prince Charles and Princess Diana's wedding. Like I remember that being all over television. And I remember like, like osmosis, I was like, kind of. I was like ten or something, like rolling my eyes, like why do we care about these people? Uh, but yeah, it's like yeah, it just it's just there. It's out in the the atmosphere, so you're gonna consume some of it. Um, but you piqued my interest at fight. Like if if do- see now you're talking about them having to make money. If Harry can convince his brother to get in the ring, boxing ring, octagon. Pay-per-view that baby. I'll plop down $69.99 and watch that. That would be amazing. I don't think a, William's hurting for money as much. I, don't think, I, I know. William probably wouldn't do it, but I'm just saying that would interest me. I would tune in to watch two brothers fight over the controversy involving one of them marrying uh, Meghan Markle. Yes. Markel? Mark, Meghan Markle? Markle. Anyway. Okay. All right. Woo. Well, I... You know, hopefully we can raise the bar in the future and not talk about <laughs> the Kanye's and, and the royal the royals of the world. Although those were definitely pop culture uh, shenanigans that needed a little bit of our attention, I think. So yes. good work. Good work. All right. Anything else you want to add on our first episode of the Aaron and Brenner version of no- Sports by Northwest? No, I think we're, no? uh, I think we're good. We're off to a rousing start here. We are, and we're going to come back next week, and hopefully the Blazers will have racked up some wins. And we got to, hey, we got to get into your sport more basketball. We're going to work State basketball. You're going to be covering some of those games, right? Yes, yes. Well, I mean, as 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 much as uh, yeah, as much as we can be down there, we'll we'll try to be. I don't know. We'll see. Oregon, Oregon, and Oregon State have both got to pick it up, uh, at least on the men's side. They yeah. There's, there's some work to be done there as well. There's some work to be done over the general state of basketball in this, in this, in this state, with the exception of the Westland boys. Give them their flowers. Oh, They're right? carrying the mantle right now. Right? Did you, did you cover any of that? Last no, while? I wasn't no? there, unfortunately. It was days off, and I had to be anchoring and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, uh, yeah, the Westland boys right now. They're 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 my number one basketball team in the state. They're the of best. They're the probably. best team. They might they might be able to beat these Blazers if they're not focused. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is it. Please subscribe. When you do, you will get feeds to both our version of Sports by Northwest and, of course, our columnist Bill Orm's version. And uh, give us a positive rating, especially you know our Kanye content. I think it was money, and I think our. our uh, delivery on the royal situation was pretty pretty solid as well but anyway we'll be back next week with another uh, edition of sports by northwest Uh, take care